Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy. My purpose is to help multi-passionate artists embrace their values, ambitions, and story so that they can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. Hello, and welcome to episode 81 of the Multi-Passionate Artists podcast. I'm your host, Diane Foy, and today I'm going to talk about a lot of Perry's. <laughs> First, I'm going to tell you a story that I haven't really told to anyone before. Um, years ago, I worked with Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction, and I got to go to Lollapalooza. So Lollapalooza 2009, and it was the closing night headlining performance of Jane's Addiction. I knew the show was going to rock because I had just seen them in Toronto a few months before, but this show was becoming the best concerts I've ever seen. And just when you think I, the show could not get any better, Perry invited Joe Perry from Aerosmith to join the stage for an acoustic version of Jane Says. Because I got special access, I was watching from the side stage balcony, which is a whole other level of cool. Um, get, getting to see that close, this electrifying band. And then at some point during the song, Etty, uh, Perry's wife, points and waves for people to come down to the stage. Of course, everyone thinks that means everyone should come down to the stage. But security only let in the few people that Eddie invited, including me. She waved me in. And all of a sudden, I'm dancing on stage behind Jane's Addiction and Joe Perry in front of like 30,000 people at Lollapalooza. It was surreal. Because if you know me, you know I'm not one for the spotlight. So <laughs> going on a stage is not really my thing. Um, but I love to dance. So I danced and danced. I did. I was having, I just felt the music and danced. When the song ended, the reality of my position started to sink in. Because, you know, if they'd let a bunch of fans on stage, you know, this is the point where security would start walking them off, escorting them off. But no, we were still standing there. Um Perry was giving his parting words to the audience, which was longer than your average show because it was the end of a three-day festival that he created, and I was still on stage with them, <laughs> going, why? Why am I here? <laughs> Anxiety started to creep in as, you know, even though I was invited, you still sometimes don't really believe that you should be there, and this is not where the publicist stands. <laughs> you know, The publicist is behind the scenes. It does not stand on stage with the band, uh, especially in this situation of a huge concert. My introverted heart rate is rising right now, remembering this moment. Why am I telling you this? I sometimes have to even watch YouTube videos to prove to myself that it even happened. <laughs> I don't really tell my stories. I don't, you know, I guess it's also the thing where it's confidentiality. I don't tell the ex a lot of the experiences and I'm just private, but 
I know I have to put myself out there. And the reason I'm telling this story, it's a tad more important than myself because I'm here for you. It's about you. On stage, you feel such an adrenaline high. But later, you're in your hotel room alone and feeling more alone than you've ever felt in your life. I mentioned that to a musician friend once and he laughed and said, yep, that's exactly what we experience every time on tour. After feeling those intense feelings myself, I wondered, why don't more people talk about post-performance depression? You don't have to be a singer, dancer, or actor to experience it, obviously. (laughs) You could feel that after any. It's normal to feel like a mourning period after a successful or exciting event in your life. In 2018, I studied creativity coaching with the creator of the profession, Dr. Eric Mizell. He's author of 50, more than 50 books on creativity and psychology. And creativity coaches study the personality structure and psychological makeup of creative individuals. And post-performance depression has my curiosity. And I'm reaching out to you. Will you tell me your experiences with post-performance depression? If you feel like, yeah, if something I said touched a nerve and you're like, oh my God, yes, I have experienced what you're talking about. I hope you reach out to me. Message me at diane at dianefoy.com and tell me your stories or DM me on social media at dianefoyarts. And I would love to hear your story because I'm curious. I want to know more about it. And I will keep your confidentiality unless you don't want to. If you're open to making it public, I'd love to invite some people on the Multi-Passionate Artist Podcast and have a discussion about this. Um, I think it would help a lot of people. So now I'm going to talk about yet another Perry. (laughs) We had Perry Farrell, we had Joe Perry, and now we have Perry Nopert. He is a mad multi-potentialite misfit. On his website, he says, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. So obviously I had to invite him on the show. He's nicknamed Dr. Octopus, a non-linear thinker, creating a global mycelium network of atypical thinkers. He he is the creator of the octopus movement. And there's so much here. Uh, He explains it better. So I'm just going to jump right into our discussion. And I hope you enjoy it. For links in a transcript, visit diamefoy.com slash 081. Hello, Pierre. Welcome to the show. Hello, Diane. How are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm here. We were just saying I'm in Toronto, Canada, and you're in the Netherlands. Yay. Amazing. <laughs> in, a, in a small, boring town, you say. Um, but I love 
your the name of your podcast is Multipotentialite Dude. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny, right? It's funny because um yeah, I was just looking up to see who else was doing things with multipotentiality, multipassionate. Um, I use the word multipassionate. Um, multipassionate artists is who I work with. Um, so tell me, I'm curious, how did you first discover that multipotentiality is even a thing? Oh, yeah, that's that's always a good question. Um, I thought for 44 years that I was just weird. And I think I'm still weird and I am weird. But a few years ago, two years ago, a friend of mine sent me an article about creative generalists. And he said to me, you need to check this out. And I, and I was reading it and I sent him a message. No, that's not me. And we were laughing. And of course it's me, you know, the <laughs> creative generalist. So many ideas um, all over the place, uh, etc. And And I told a good friend friend of mine who has the same way of looking to the world and she said to me she's from Texas and she's living in Brussels and she said oh you have to check out that TED talk of Emily Wapnick about multipotentialites and 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 I checked it out like many people did mm-hmm. and and I thought oh that's fun so more people are like me I always thought that I was you know, just me being silly and different and, and a misfit and and whatnot. And and that started to to a very interesting journey where I thought, oh, I need to I need to meet other multipotentialites. And I started reading books of Barbara Sher, of course, Refuse to Choose, right? And 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 other books. That was very interesting. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think I had seen uh, Barbara Shear's book first, and I guess I, I don't think I was in a place to really absorb it. So I kind of put it back down. And then when I decided that uh, I'm going to put everything on my website, just dianefoy.com, whatever I do, I had no idea what I was going to do that year. And everyone told me it was a horrible idea. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it's a horrible idea. You'll confuse your audience. And and I'm like, I'm going to do it anyways. And then when I saw that TED Talk, it was like, ah, see, I'm not the only one. And it's a superpower. And there's so many great things about people who are multi-potentialites or multi-passionate artists. Um, so it's great that it, it was kind of a light bulb moment for, I guess, all of us <laughs> crazy people uh, to see that exactly. TED Talk. You know, and you know what I did with a good friend? We we organized a lunch meeting with other multipotentialites in the Netherlands. And we thought, oh, we need to talk to them. That was the first thing we did. Yeah. And and we had, I think, around 30 multipotentialites together. Very interesting. 28 of them were divorced. I thought that was a sign immediately. I thought, oh, there, there's something else going on there. And it was a lot of fun. So immediately talking and 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 you know, connecting and, and creating. And it was so much fun. Everybody, everybody understood each other immediately. That was yeah. the most interesting part for me. Because most wow. people don't understand us. <laughs> no, we, we explain half a sentence and we think that they will get the whole sentence or the whole paragraph, even if we do half a sentence. And, and they, they don't, right? No. And, and we're wondering... 
but why not? Because if you if you tell me something and you start talking, I only need a few words and I completely understand what you're talking about. And and so why not with me? But when you put people like that together, oh God, is it is that fun? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And so tell me about your creative journey. What what how do you describe what you do? I'm I'm now very focused. I do one thing. I do the octopus movement. I'm I'm the founder of the octopus movement and it all started after that discovery of multipotentiality that I thought I need to talk to others. I need to understand what what what's going on and why and and just very interesting and and i started doing podcasts interviews pandemic started so everybody all of a sudden knew how to use zoom how cool is that so everybody was available and i started talking to people um using linkedin so i did a search on multipotentialite on linkedin saw all these amazing profiles and just selected a few and said okay i want to interview you are you open for it and I interviewed people in Bangladesh, in South Africa, in Canada, all over the world, immediately. And that's where it all started, because it was, again, like that lunch thing we did. The connection was there immediately. So even though there was a lot of difference in background or culture or age or, or gender or whatever, there was always that instant neuron connection between two brains that are on fire, basically. And, and I thought that was fascinating. And, and I was thinking, but if, if it's that easy to connect with people who I don't know and have an instant friendship, what's happening in the world? Why is it all so difficult then? It's easy. But I was connecting with the right people, right? Yeah. I was connecting with other multipotentialites. So after a little while, I was doing a clubhouse session every day for half an hour just to talk about multipotentiality. And, and I was interviewing people. And I discovered that most of the people that I interviewed don't only have multipotentiality, but also have some form of neurodiversity. and that was even more fascinating to me. I have dyslexia, ADHD, and but it was never a thing in my life. I was just weird, you know. I never thought about that. That's the reason maybe I was weird or right. I am weird. And I discovered that most of them also have neurodiversity. I don't. And wow, you don't? <laughs> no. Are you sure? As <laughs> <Or is> I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> But that's, and what is your that, definition of that? Like you, you're mentioning it's having ADHD. Is there anything else? Well, yeah, that's the funny thing, of course, because if you start talking about neurodiversity, then in the end, we all have neurodiversity. It's just the diversity of our brains. Right. But I'm, I'm talking about labels. So people with ADHD, with bipolar, dyslexia, um, so many things. And I was thinking, is what's what's there first? Is there the the label within neurodiversity first and as an outcome there is multipotentiality that's that's something i wanted to know so i started yeah. talking to to researchers to companies 
And I was diving into it more and more and talking about it every day on, on Clubhouse. And at one point I said to someone, I have difficulty with the, the, the word multipotentialite because it, it, it's a label by itself. Again, it's mm -hmm. a box. And there's something so beautiful about multi-passion and multi-potentialites. It's that it's that everything is possible, right? Yeah. That we're we're focused on so many things. We can learn so fast. We can make so many connections. Why the hell would we put that in a box? That's not fair. Well, like how and, Emily was saying, there's so many words for it. We all can't agree. It's like right? you got to... <laughs> to find your people, you have to Google multi-passionate, multi-potentialite. You have to Google, you know, renaissance person. <laughs> Polymath, generalist, scanner. All in, that. In France, they call it zebra. You know, it's zebra. The, zebra. I haven't heard that one before. Cool. Zebra. And, <laughs> and, and I was thinking, but it's it's also, so I also find the the brains interesting of people with autism. And they don't necessarily are multipotentialites, but they're mm -hmm. different. So I went more to the aspect of being different than multipassionate or multipotentialite. And I asked in this in, in this clubhouse group, I said, what kind of symbol do we have for people that don't, don't fit in the box? And then someone said, oh, I always use the emoji of an octopus just because I like it, an octopus or a ah, squid. Yeah. I said, "Why?" He said, "I don't know. I just, I just like your hands it. in. You have a many different hands in well, all different things." <laughs> exactly. Well, that came it. to me later. And then someone else said to me, "Have you seen?" This was Haley from South Africa was saying, "Have you seen my octopus teacher?" The uh, documentary that's available on Netflix, and and I watched that the same evening, and I was I was watching that documentary, and I was like, "Oh, but we're octopuses. We have." We have we have three hearts because some of us are are super sensitive and we can feel everything that's happening around us. Yeah. And and some people have like an octopus nine brains. We're so we're so fast in learning and understanding and connect, connecting the dots. And and some of us are an octopus like with our eight arms that we're doing things at the same time, multi everything. And I thought that's so much better than a multipotentialite, a polymath, or a jack of all trades, or whatever. I want to create the octopus movement. I want to explain to the world if you're different, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. awesome. And if you don't understand me, that's okay. You know, and and we weird ones, we're amazing in creating new things we're amazing in innovation we're amazing in creating startups and and new companies so let us be right just let us do our thing and be a bit crazy yeah we don't fit the box and the box then i was thinking what is the box well the box is what we learn at school the box is the system and someone in the beginning asked me can you learn how to become a multipotentialite? I said, no, it's impossible. You're, I, I asked everyone that I interviewed, is your parent also, is your mother or your father also a multipotentialite? Most of them said, oh, 
Yeah, I never thought about it, but my mother is a multipotentialite <laughs> as well. That was always a funny response. Maybe I don't belong uh, to this group because my parents are not. No, uh, no, that's also possible. Most of them. But I'm just them. the weird one. Most family. of them. <laughs> I love that. Be weird. <laughs> I love I love weird people. Um, and I'm completely lost now where I am. Um, that's funny. You're saying that most people that you interviewed, their parents were also multi-potentialites. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was so much fun to see the octopus and to create the awareness. Oh, because of the box, because the linear thinking, that's something that came a little bit later for me that I was thinking, what is the difference between being weird and not being weird? And it's it's a bit strange to to say about yourself that you're weird or a misfit. That's not very positive. And and I started thinking about all the people that I've interviewed and all the people that I'm meeting. And and all of a sudden I was thinking, that's nonlinear thinking. We're doing it in a nonlinear way. And and what we learn at school and what's happening in our society is all very linear, right? You follow mm-hmm. the path from A to B to C to D. And that's it. It's what, what you're you supposed want? to do. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. What do you do in your life? And then most people say, I'm an accountant. You know, they're not saying what they're doing in life, but they're giving their job description because yeah. that identifies themselves because that fits in a very specialist society, which I see as a linear society. And people that are multipotentialite, different are nonlinear thinkers for me. And, and those are the people that do things differently. And they all have a difficult life. Nobody is, is going to say, oh, that's easy. You know, I'm a nonlinear thinker. And, <laughs> and this, is, this is such an easy road. It's not. But when you do achieve some linear results with your nonlinear brain and your nonlinear path, then you will find amazing new creative or innovative new things that are really awesome like what steve jobs did with the iphone for instance typically for me non-linear thinking um that's my creative journey now and before that i did many 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 things and for me it feels like it all came together you know i discovered my multi-potentiality doing research and i was never thinking about I need to create a movement it just happens and it's more than a year now so yeah it's just over a year we have more than 1400 members all over the world and we're doing the most amazing things why because we have this mycelium network of interesting brains that are different wow that's amazing yeah so what do you do in this membership well, what we do is we 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 want to create awareness of nonlinear thinking, that that's something that if you send your resume to the HR department of the company where you want to work and the HR manager looks at your resume as a multipotentialite and thinks, oh, my God, <laughs> this is someone who cannot focus or stay in one job or what the hell is this? I want people to think, oh, that's cool. This mm-hmm. is a nonlinear thinker. This is someone 
who has a lot of experience in everything. And these are the problem solvers I need in my company. These are the creative, innovative people I'm looking for. These are the people that if we come in trouble with our company, these are the people that will move forward and create new ideas. That's what I want to achieve with the octopus movement, that there is more awareness of the awesomeness of atypical thinkers. And we do that by uh, our think tank. We created a think tank with these atypical brains, and we're working together to solve global issues, and we're writing white papers with solutions in how we can solve issues like climate change, human rights, women's rights. Now we're working on an app for the refugees in Europe, equality, diversity. That's what we're working on. It's awesome. And it's That's awesome cool. because it's we're not a political movement. We don't have an agenda. We're just people with amazing brains. There is no money involved. There is no politics involved. We, we're just doing it. We're just creating a difference. Um, we have a group of octopus teachers where we teach at schools and we explain diversity to kids because these poor little things are in a linear structure where there is an attitude of if you work hard, if you do your homework well, if you focus and you get good grades, and you study well, you get a good job, and you will be happy in life. Yeah. Fuck me, that's not true. <laughs> no. It's not true. And it and, took, and nobody uh, it is took telling me a long kids. time to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's not true, people. Yeah. It's not true. And and I always ask these kids, what do you what do you want to become when you grow up? And and then these little arms go up and oh, I want to be a vet or an artist or a dancer or whatever, or, 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 and then I always say, but maybe you can become a vet and a dancer and an artist all at the same time. And then these kids of 10 years old are saying to me, <laughs> no, and this is liberal Netherlands. Eh? No, that's not possible. And I'm thinking, okay, wow. Already when they're 10, they're thinking yeah. this is not possible. What the hell? So I'm explaining them that, that that's possible. And then I'm explaining them and we're explaining them what real diversity is, that we're different and that some people are very sensitive, that some people are very fast thinkers, but respond a little bit differently than others. Some people do a lot of things at the same time. Some people need to have a lot of noise and movement around them to be able to focus. And some people want everything to be quiet. It's, it's not fair that there is a linear structure in education where we expect all, all of them to be the same and, and to choose your, your, your subjects and to go for your IB. My kids go to an international school, so they, they're doing their IB. Oh, my God, what a linear structure is that? Nothing is possible. And... If, if you do this, then that, and if you do well, you're successful. So these kids already learned that if they don't do well, according to the linear system, they're not successful. That's not true. That's not fair. Yeah. So and that's what we do. Too many people go through and follow all the advice and, you know, finish high school, go to university, and then they're kind of lost when yeah. they graduate, when... 
especially these days, you don't necessarily, you're not even guaranteed a job now (laughs) when you finish university and you're kind of lost. But if you knew from a young age that that's just the way life is going to go and you can kind of go in any different direction, there's more possibility. And it's okay okay to stop and to change direction. It's okay. Yeah. And and to do multiple things. I, I I have someone in the movement. She's from Japan. She's so intelligent, so bright, so funny, amazing. And she does two studies at the same time in the US. Because it's not possible in in in, in Japan. So in Japan, everything is very linear, very, very linear. So it also is depending on the culture how linear sometimes right. the structures are. Germany, awful. Japan, awful. So she's not able to do two studies at the same time in Japan. And she wants that because her brain needs that. Her brain needs the fuel to to go forward. And if she's not being challenged big time, she gets depressed. So she needs that challenge. And she can't get it because we're expecting children to do one study at the same, because we decided with each other in a very linear structure that that's the way forward. Holy shit, that's wrong. That's that's not working. So we're not changing the educational system because that's a big project. We're just explaining this to the kids and the teachers and saying to them, listen, you know, can be different as well. And if you have neurodiversity like dyslexia, that's a superpower. You can't read and write. Fine. It's not the end of the world. Teachers are complaining. The system is complaining. You should be here and you're there. That's not a good thing. Trust me, having dyslexia is awesome. If you become an artist or an entrepreneur, you will benefit big time from having dyslexia. Look at Richard Branson, you know, the British dude who went to space as well. He made it in life. He is so dyslexic. it's, It's awful. But thanks to his dyslexia, he was able to see patterns that other people couldn't see. He was able to make connections what we multipotentialites can do very well as well and use that. But nobody is saying to these kids when they have something in neurodiversity, oh, congratulations, that's really awesome. I'm jealous of you. And they should do that. Well, I used to be jealous of people who would like, from a young age, know what they want to do. And then that's all they want to do for the rest of their lives. I was like, wow, that's yeah. cool. Cause there's something wrong with me that I can't do that. <laughs> you know? I married her. I married her because of that. Yeah. My first wife. Right. That's, she was so focused. She was so into one thing. Yeah. And I thought that's, that's, That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. I want to see that up <laughs> close. I want to I want to feel that. I want to be there. And I was always so proud of her for doing that. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And she was having fun with me because I was doing lots of different things at the same time and nothing was a problem. So that was very inspirational for her. In right. the end, we annoyed the freaking hell out of each other. <laughs> Because of the huge difference there. Yeah. And that's why it's now my ex-wife. But of course, in the beginning, I I loved it. Oh, this is how you make success. Wow. I want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And how Emily was saying that a lot of us 
when we have an interest, we dive in 100%, you know, learn everything we can. But then after a while, we get bored. It's like when it's no longer challenging, we're like dreading. I I have a theory about that. Yeah. I want to share this with you. Let's let's create some noise here. <laughs> I have a theory about that. I used to do that a lot. And and I I get a lot of questions about focus, right? And bored. And and I hate the word being bored because I'm never bored. I find mm-hmm. everything interesting. So it's it's the challenge that I find interesting of starting something new yeah. and then the challenge goes away and I'm less interested. But I discovered that I need I needed that challenge constantly in order to feel good. I was trying to be someone that I was not. I was trying to be the specialist. I was trying to do the things that supposed to be doing in my life. My expectations that I had of myself and, and my family and my wife had from me, they were not in line of who I was. And because I was coping with that, because I was trying to be different, I needed to feel good. I need to compensate. And in order to compensate, I was doing these things, constantly new things, constantly creating new things to get that positive flow in my mind. Now that I know I'm a multipotentialite and that I am who I am and as dyslectic as you can get and ADHD and I'm crazy and I have nail polish on and I'm not even gay. What the hell? I don't even like heavy metal. It's not in line. I do crazy things and it's fine. And, mm-hmm. and if, if you don't like it, well, too bad for you. You know, I'm enjoying this life. I'm creating things. I'm building up things. I'm, I'm, I'm creating a book with 398 nonlinear thinkers. It's awesome. And because it feels good that I'm doing what I'm, what I need to do, I don't have that urge of creating new things in order to feel good how about that right oh that's cool maybe it's my age i don't know maybe i'm just having a midlife crisis and it works the (laughs) other way around with me because i'm focused as hell now and and this is what i do and you know i'm I'm, and i will be doing this for the rest of my life i'm sure this is it right maybe it's because of my age maybe it's because I'm 46 and everything came together. That's also possible, of course. Yeah, it's like I think I've changed careers a lot and now I'm now I can just accept that whatever I want to do, I can do it. And I have and I also created a job now that incorporates everything I've learned up to this point. Yeah. And everything i'm going to continue to learn and go in different directions and and now it's all i'm never bored now <laughs> but no. yeah it's those times where we kind of s- stayed with but the then job it's the same long. thing for you right you're doing you you're you're bringing everything together you are who you are if if people don't understand you then you know it's their loss and and because you're you're having the time of your life and and you're really being you and probably same as for me you haven't always been you right right yeah i think i unfortunately would, well probably spent too long hiding hiding who mm. i really was yeah you know 
because we don't like it. You know, there are these internet gurus shouting then you need to do this and that and, you know, fuck others' opinions. Sorry for my language. Um, and then that's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. Because if, if, if someone is saying something very nasty to you, then your brain can think, okay, ignore this. This is his problem. It's his trauma, not mine and whatever. But it's still coming into your system. You know, it's not nice and, and we can't ignore it. We can say we want to ignore it, but it's very difficult to ignore. And, and the younger you are, the more difficult it is. And especially when you're surrounded with people. Well, listen to yourself. Your parents were no multipotentialite. So how how on earth were they able to understand you, right? I was a late bloomer because I yeah. tried to follow the linear. And, and I probably stayed in jobs longer than I should have because, well, steady job, steady paycheck is what all that really matters, apparently. And, uh, and now I think my, my life now really makes my mother nervous because <laughs> she's like, I don't know how you could live like that. <laughs> but now I'm so used to it that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Makes me happy. This yeah. is my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. It's like it goes up and down in many different directions. And there's a lot of exciting things along the way, which is really cool. Yeah. We love that. I right? couldn't imagine exciting just things. having the same job for the rest of my life. <laughs> no. Can you imagine having the same job for 30 or 40 years working in the same Excel sheet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God there are a lot of people out there that can do that. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people are happy just having that job. And maybe they f find fulfillment outside of that job. And it works for them. Um, yeah. Again, different mindset, different priorities, different values, different everything. And different everything. That's okay. And we love diversity. So yeah. I love it. It's fine. Yeah. But let's let's bring it a, a little bit in balance here, right? It's okay, and it's okay to have diversity. But let's really, really understand and respect each other. And if we're different and we're doing things at the same time and 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 have multiple passions, then don't say to us that we're not specialists because we are. We're we're specialists at many levels. Yeah. Don't say to us, we can't focus because we can even focus better. I have a theory. I think we are ba uh, we're able to focus better than specialists. If you're yeah. a specialist, you focus on one area and you go deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. That's easy. If you're a multipotentialite, you focus on multiple areas at the same time. You focus on this, you focus on that. And we're constantly complaining that we should be able to focus even better. But we're already doing an amazing job. We're doing multiple yeah. focus. Explain that to a specialist. Yeah. How easy is it if you're a financial ex expert that are in that is in figures the whole day and always in Excel sheets and saying to us, you need to focus more. <laughs> Dude. We're we're we ha we're having focus on so many areas at the same time. Try that. Yeah, and that that 
jack of all trades, master of none thing drives me up the wall because, um, you know, the things that I'm an expert in, I did. I have things to back it up. (laughs) You know, it's not like they weren't passing interests, you know, Um, when we get interested in something, we dive in and we want to know everything about it. Yeah, it's it's not the winds blowing from the east that we get our special uh, training and 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 knowledge in a topic. We dive in and yeah. we research and we don't sleep and we continue and we <laughs> continue and we continue until we get it. Yeah, and then we go away. Yeah, then we move on. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I find it interesting that you know some interests we dive in and. We might, you know, be interested in them forever. And then there's other interests that we're like, yeah, we just kind of peek in. And then, eh, I'm over it. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting how we have different levels of interests and in things. Yeah, if we find out it's not interesting enough. So, yeah, maybe that's. The, of course, there is the 10,000 hour rule, but maybe it doesn't apply to us. Maybe for us, it's the 5,000 hour rule. And I think after 1,000 hours or even after 500 hours, yeah. we already can see this is going to work or this is not going to work. Yeah. And how cool is that? That we try so many things and we discover very fast. That's, that's our specialty as well, that we can discover very fast this yeah. is going to work or not. And sometimes yeah. we have to put it aside and it comes back years and years and years later. That's yes. what Barbara Sher is also writing about, right? Put it in a box. Don't throw it away. It will come back or not. It's also fine. But it's, it's, I find it fascinating in my own life when something comes back. I'm like, oh, I have parked this for 20 years yeah. and now I need it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then you use it and people are like, oh, God, that's cool. And how do you know how to do that? Like, yeah, I learned 20 years ago. Oh, <laughs> very strange. Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting, too, where um, you you dive in and you work so hard for something. And then when you pivot to something else, sometimes I've dropped things and I'm like, you never do that anymore? I'm like, no, no. Uh, do you miss it? Not really, uh, but maybe I'll pick it up one day. And then 10 years later, you're like, I'm back. <laughs> Exactly. And is it for you as well that the research by itself can sometimes be enough mm-hmm. that that it, it feels like you're doing it, even though it's just research in, in how to make whatever. And then you, you researched everything. And in, in our minds, we did it already. Yeah. Like, oh, that, was, that was nice. <laughs> okay. That was a nice experience. Bye bye. That's yeah. enough. Yeah. 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 Funny. That's cool. Yeah, I like the idea in Barbara Scherer's book about the, I haven't done it yet, but how you have a book where you can get all your ideas out and sometimes that's enough Yeah, and to actually pursue it. Yeah, that's, he's writing in, in, in one of her books. That's her advice. Yeah. Don't finish projects. How cool is that? Because everybody's <laughs> yeah. saying you need to finish, you need to, that's the linear structure in, in our world. And, and she's saying, well, don't finish, just start. And yeah. see what happens. And please don't finish. Just throw it away. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's, of course, very nonlinear and interesting advice in yeah. a linear world. Yeah. Yeah. And we still get stuff out of it. It's not a waste of, of time. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. Wow. 
That's wonderful. Is there anything else you would like to share with us? Do you have a lot of artists in your group? Oh, many, 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 many artists. Interesting artists. Um, anyway, interesting people. Also, a lot of people that want to be an artist, that never became an artist because that's not what was expected from them. Right. Here we go again. So, and, and I always say to them, so what's the de definition of art? So when are you an artist? Tell me. There is no definition. So no. there is no rule or diploma in being an artist. It's not when your art is at a gallery that at that point you're an artist. Maybe it feels for you that way. Yeah. But, but that's not how it works. I know artists that never sold anything and they have a whole workspace full of art beautifully and they're not selling anything. They can't, you know, they can't let go. Yeah. And they don't consider themselves as artists because they're not selling anything. Okay. How linear. Here we go again. I'm How like, linear. No, you're an artist. <laughs> you're an artist. So it may not be a business, but you're an artist. <laughs> yeah, you're not making a living out of it. But do we need to make a living out of something to really be that person? Do we need to make money to be successful? No. Also very linear. No. So if you want to be an artist and, and you're creating things, whatever it is, you're an artist. I always say that I'm a life artist as well. I, I, I create an art in living, how to live my life, and to create mm -hmm. something beautiful out of my life itself makes me already an artist. So, right. and it's easier. I get it. I, when I published my first book with my photos, it really helped. It made me feel more as an artist. It's absolutely true. But it's, it's interesting to talk about this and ask, when are you an artist? Truly. And forget about the linear structure. When are you an artist? What is art anyway? Well, I was also looking up one time the difference between creative and artists. So I was, I was trying to figure out in my messaging, do I want to use the word artists or creatives? And it helped when I looked up kind of the definitions is that anyone's creative. You could be yeah. a very creative accountant. Um, an artist is someone who actually creates something tangible. And so I kind of use, I use artists because I mostly coach either visual artists, painters, or most of my experiences with musicians and actors performing yeah. artists so yeah. i use artists you're creative yeah, because something. creative it's it's i like that what you're saying creative hmm, indeed creative is within a structure you do things differently but it's still within the boundaries yeah that's being creative yeah. very cool keep it that way and an artist really goes beyond everything in whatever you do in writing yeah. in performing in painting in being yeah in everything look at andy warhol the biggest brand that he made was himself yeah. eventually 
right? Yeah. What an artist. And and how fascinating was it to find out that he also tried to fit in? So he was biggest artist in his time and, and amazing. He created his own brand being Andy Warhol itself, and still mm. he wanted to try to fit in. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Cool. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Why do oh oh god. Um I wrote an article about why I do what I do. It's it's very simple. I do this because I find people that are different so beautiful. And it's so not fair if we don't give them a stage, a platform, um a time to talk. It's not fair. And yeah. and that's my why. I just I just want to put the spotlight on atypical thinkers, on nonlinear people that are different because they're fascinating and they they create a beautiful world. And if we're all would be a little bit more like them, then the world look would look differently. Then you know, I don't think Putin is a nonlinear thinker. I think he's very linear, right? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 these companies in the world that are destroying our planet, destroying our climate, it's so linear. It's so money driven. We want to grow. We want to expand. We want shareholders value. That's where we're going to. That we kill creatures or even humans we don't care it's yeah. all about our pocket and our money wow so if we could balance that a little bit out that would be interesting we of course here in europe we have debates about women's rights women in organizations i don't think it's a gender issue i think it's a it's a linear structure issue you know these these companies are so boxed, structured. It's incredible. There's no room for anything else. And it's male-dominated because, you know, men have a nothing box. Most of them, right? It's, it's, it's very structured in boxes. This is my box of work. This is the box of my wife. This is the box of the kids. And this is the box of, of the car. And this is the box being with my friends in the bar. And right. I choose in what, what box I am. And that's it. And sometimes I'm in the nothing box and I'm, and I'm not thinking about anything, right? Then your wife comes home. What are you thinking about? Nothing. He's in his nothing box. There's just nothing <laughs> happening here. We cannot imagine like being like that, but that's 80%, right? It's like that. So if, if that's the structure and this is the structure of organizations, then it's not going to work. It's very simple. That's why you see now with startups that don't work like that, that there is no issue with gender. You know, everything yeah. is possible. So why is that? It's not because of gender. It's because of the structure. So for F's sake, let's do something about that. That's my why. <laughs> Lovely. And where can people find you online? Um, they go to theoctopusmovement.org and they can find everything there. Become a member. It's for free. 
we do everything for free. I wanted to be open for everyone. If you're non-linear, come in. If you're linear, come in. We have linear members that are awesome. That would be cool. Yeah, because we got to learn about it's, each other. Well, we kind of already know about them, but they need to learn about us. Well, both ways. Yeah. And, and when we have debates on our Facebook group for the octopus movement, and, and I create a statement every day and a quote, and a did and a that lots of things happening and it's so nice to see all the people responding and also i have a very linear response from time to time yeah and thinking yeah but that's also that's also true right we we shouldn't get lost in our own creative multi-potentialite brain there's also that other part so diversity is everything so go to the octopus movement.org it's all for free join us become a member of the think tank or an octopus teacher uh, we will invite you to the Facebook group, um, which is really a lot of fun because, again, diversity, everything is there. Everyone is there. And, and we're having very interesting and funny conversations. And final thing, if you're listening to this and you're nonlinear and you're special and you're a bit of a misfit and you want to share something about yourself to the world, Please check out the projects at theoctopusmovement.org because we're creating a book which is called Project 398. And it's an art book with 398 nonlinear, amazing people in it. You get one page with your photo and one page with your text, maximum 450 words, also for free. It's a global artwork. The youngest now is 11 years old. The oldest is 82 years old. And they're from Korea, Bangladesh. US, Canada, Europe, Africa, India, Australia, New Zealand. Tomorrow I'm talking to a Chinese girl who moved to New Zealand who is a multipotentialite and is going to be in the book. Cool. Diversity, diversity. And and tell your story. Don't tell your story. Hi, I'm Perry. I'm 46. I have three kids and I wear nail polish. That's boring. Tell another story. Tell a nonlinear yeah. story. And then all these nonlinear stories together is going to tell the world one story about how amazing it is to look at things from different angles and that we can really start using diversity. That's so check it out so on the cool. website. I'm Please. joining. I'm in. Yay. But I love that. I have one last question. How do you make yeah. money if everything's free? I don't. Oh. No, that's serious. Yeah. I gave up everything uh, one and a half year ago. I was so sick and tired of everything and, and my relationship ended and the landlord where I was living wasn't happy with me and he wanted to have the lease for another half year. I couldn't afford it. So he threw me out of the house, literally, and I became homeless and, and that's it. And I thought, I'm going to do everything completely different. That was the big reset in life. And now... I live from donations because people are so kind in the movement to donate sometimes a little bit. Right. And that's how I live. And not having any money is pure wealth and freedom. I can tell you that. God, we have to have another whole conversation about that. <laughs> it's fascinating. There are no invoices. There's nothing because there's no money. And it's freedom. And the decisions that I take with the octopus movement the things I'm building, I'm taking decisions because of the why to make a difference in the world and not because of the money. And that's a huge difference. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's fascinating. 
Thank you. Cool. Come and join us. I will. Thank you so much for joining this show today. And I will leave links in the show notes and all that good stuff. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. This was really fun. And I'm always happy to talk about things I'm doing. And I hope it inspired some people. And, and come and check it out, what we're doing. And if you want to talk to me, reach out. I'm always happy to have Zoom calls and, and meet people all over the world. It's, it's fascinating. So thank you yeah. so much, Diane. Love Wonderful. it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists groups on Facebook and Clubhouse. Thanks again. <laughs>